um, as one other episode on Designing to Connect. As you might already know, season two is all about connecting with different people who are using design to make a positive impact, reduce inequalities, and contribute to the sustainable development goals. Our today's guest is a sociologist and a researcher, and I'm really excited to talk to her and hear her point of view about cities, urban environments, feminist movements, and a lot of other interesting topics. Her name is Anna Bednacek. I hope I said that correctly. And she's connecting with us uh, from Berlin. And I'm so happy to have you here today on Design to Connect. How are you? Thank you. I'm, I'm really good. And how are you? I'm, I'm good too. It's sunny and the season is changing. So that's, <laughs> that's, perfect. that's the main thing for my happiness. Uh, so before we uh, go into the conversation, I just will give a short introduction of who you are to our listeners. Uh, and you are a sociologist and a researcher. You are currently a research fellow at the K-Lab at the Technical University in Berlin. You work on a PhD project about feminist movements, urban safety, and care work in Argentina at the Graduate School for Social Research in Warsaw. You hold the MA in Sociology and in Sustainable Urban Governance and Cities. After conducting research on urban justice, you started working on various projects, advocating for a strengthening participatory urban governance in Poland. You moved between formal and informal organizations and activities. You were in different, uh, you have worked in different capacities, uh, like starting from a senior researcher uh, in a project on uh, holistic models of girl empowerment and currently also uh, you cooperate with non-governmental organizations on integrating age and gender perspective in urban agendas. Apart from researching and conducting projects, you also experiment with movie making. You co-produced and co-directed a documentary called La Comune 9, Reclaiming City about participatory budgeting in Medellin. You've done a lot of interesting work and oh my gosh, co-producing movies. That's cool. That's <laughs> really interesting. Uh, so just just to start, uh, and when I was going through your experiences, it was very interesting for me to see how as a sociologist, your work has been always almost focused on spaces and cities and urban environments. So I kind of wanted to start uh, with your journey and hear from you, where did your interest uh, and admiration and curiosity about cities start? And you can start as early as your childhood, whenever you feel uh, it's uh, appropriate. We'd love to hear about your journey. Okay, thank you so much. And thank you so much for, for the invitation. I'm always very happy um, to share space, even online, uh, with people from the field of architecture and urban planning. Uh, as you said, I'm like trained sociologist. Um, but quite early on in my like study of sociology, uh, I started to be interested in um, uh, in cities and in urban spaces. But I, I guess, um, yeah, I think proposing to start from the childhood was very, uh, very good from your side because I'm from a very small village in the south of Poland. And when I was 19, I moved to the second biggest city in Poland, which is Krakow, to study. 
and I got the whole uh, talk with my mom about being safe. Uh, about yes, about always carrying a pepper spray with me. Uh, about not going out at night. Um, you know, like the whole uh, set of rules that I didn't have. I didn't have to use them in the village, in the rural area. Uh, but suddenly, me moving to the city was um, was something that I was supposed to be afraid of a little bit. So that was my my first. Um, encounter somehow of course i visited cities before but it was me living there alone uh, and then just after i started studying sociology i got involved in the um, in the student movement and critical sociology uh, we did a lot of activism for human rights and uh, then my adventure uh, with feminism started so uh, I also remember my first demonstration in, in Krakow, that was the 8th of March demonstration. Uh, and I remember this feeling of excitement, um, of, of being in a public space uh, with a group of women and queer people. And um, suddenly something was like, I felt this tension between what I was, what I was taught and what I was said. So me as a person in, in a female body, uh, that I should be really afraid of the city and then me being participating in the demonstrations and uh, being active um, yeah that I, I suddenly started to discover a, a bit of freedom in uh, in living in the city and and, uh, and being in the public spaces so that was uh, and this is actually how I came up with the project idea for my bachelor research so I decided to do the research about um, actually what um, architects and urban planners in Krakow, uh, what is their approach to participatory uh, urban planning. Mm. Uh, so I just, um, I got all the like agreements to do the research and then I came to the Technical University in Krakow and I asked if I can do inter interviews with the professors and also if I could observe the the studio work of students of architecture and urban planning and uh, most of the professors they were kind of shocked that like what the person from sociology what do you want from us like um but they 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 allowed me to enter the, the those spaces and it was really absolutely fascinating for me to see how people who are planning how they talk about users of the space mm. how you know how you have all the all the models and then you are sort of in the academia pla planning the reality i mean that is going to happen outside of the walls of the university no and then then me other girls boys you know migrants they're going to use it um like different groups so it was really fascinating for me and um yeah actually after this 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 research my institute of sociology started to have the seminar with the students of architecture from the technical university in krakow and it was like few weeks um, of uh, working together and working on different social issues in the city uh, it was so it was really interesting and there was a lot of uh, knowledge being produced meeting mm. uh, of of sociology and uh, and and architects and urban planners um, so yeah, and then um, then I wanted to get to know different cities and like go out of Europe 
um, because um, yeah, it's um, the the urban theory. I think tends to be a little bit like Eurocentric, and a lot also of theory is being produced in North America and and in Europe. And so, uh, as you also mentioned, I studied in um, in Costa Rica the sustainable urban governance and peace. That was the master program, and then. Um, then I went to Medellin uh, in Colombia uh, because that was around the year when Medellin was um, awarded the, 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 like the title of the most innovative city in the world. Oh. I, it was around 2011-12. So it was like going from the most dangerous city in the world in, in all the era of extensive violence, urban violence in Medellin, suddenly they did something uh, and got them the title. So I was really, really interested in in what they did that suddenly, you know, they became the most innovative city in the world. And I actually did the research about uh, library parks, Parques Bibliotecas, which is like, uh, which are like um, um, public spaces, very well designed. Um, very high quality public spaces uh, that are also like community centers and libraries and they were built in uh, marginalized districts um, like barrios populares or slums mm -hmm. which also, there are different definitions i i tend to use the the term marginalized districts mm -hmm. um, so yeah so that was it then I worked, I, as you also said, in, in some participatory urban planning projects in Krakow. And now in 2015, I got completely um, fascinated or um, super interested in the feminist movement in Argentina because of the because of these massive demonstrations, again, that happened with the Unamenos movement, that is the movement against violence, uh, gender-based violence. So yeah, this is how my PhD project was born. Um, and since 2017, I'm researching uh, like sort of the uh, um, the connection between feminism and and urban planning, mm -hmm. and also the everyday life of women uh, in urban environment. So yes, so and uh, and now I'm in Berlin, um, hopefully like writing my my PhD thesis. So that's that's like the, the journey. Okay. That's that sounds really interesting. And maybe just to to follow up with, with what you said, if you had to like say about yourself what one characteristic on or one attribute that was inside you that led you to be where you are now, doing the things that you are doing now, what would that be? Uh, the, the the urban um mm. Like what of the city makes me made me be in this in this point when I'm right now, yeah? Yeah, like one characteristic that is inside you, mm -hmm. that you think have made you be the person who you are now in your profession. Well, I have to say it's it's the protest in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just like the idea of um of of like reclaiming the space, even for a for a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, I think that yes, this this feeling, you know, and uh, and also it, the political implications that this very short events uh, that, that that they have. So yeah, so that would be it. So it's a mixture of the place and also the 
the event, the social event that is the protest. <laughs> okay, okay. So you had always this looking for justice kind of even in you know previous places. So um to to move a bit uh a little bit more and to to discuss on what what you're uh doing uh, i think a lot of people see inequalities and injustices um especially like when it comes to gender injustices and inequalities they see it uh only as a cultural or a social issue and uh, that is related only to the level of class to the level of education and it, uh, they don't see it as something that can be maybe addressed from a design point of view or a policy point of view. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, since you have been working on this like intersection of design and inequalities, um, why do you think it is important that we, we try to also address these issues from a design point of view? And how can we integrate the education of a society, the cultural change of a society uh, with uh, with also addressing these issues from design and policy, how can we have a more integrated approach? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's the uh, that's the very good question because yeah, as you said, it's very often all the um, the gender issues or the the issues of accessibility. It's 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 very often just like boxed as a social issue. But I think uh, what I've learned from the feminist architects and feminist urbanists, uh, mostly from Argentina, yeah. that um, thinking or the, the feminist uh, critical perspective on, on design and or planning, it's actually uh, challenging the existing logic of um, designing and planning for one type of a person, which is economically active, um, mostly middle class, uh, without disability, men. Like that's, that's sort of the logic. And I think um, there is a certain, maybe even misconception that this feminist critique is focusing only on women. And I think it's actually, uh, it's what I said, it's, it's actually trying to challenge this, this existing logic in planning so that we are planning for one type of the, uh, of the user of the space, no? And I think uh, how it is being uh, reflected, um, the very good example, and this is also something that I've learned from the activists for the disability uh, uh, rights and the whole movement for accessibility is that um, when you, let's say, it's, I think the accessibility is a good example to explain that. Um, when you create and when you design accessible spaces, they are not only for the users of wheelchairs, for instance, yeah. um, because you may break your leg. So you may be an able-bodied man going to work every day and then you're going to break your leg. And then suddenly you're going to need those type of spaces that were marked uh, as, uh, you know, as accessible for a certain group. Or I think the same uh, goes with the with the whole debate about mothers uh, with the with babies, you know, in public transportations that we have to um, design for them. Uh, yes, but also, you know, one once in in your life you may have to take care of 
somebody's other child or you are just traveling with a suitcase so it's i think that's 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 the sort of misconceptions that there are some groups or like the feminists that suddenly wants to make design working for for their needs while basically is the challenging um yes this this logic of of um of not noticing the needs of other of other groups um so so i think that that would be one thing and i also um lately i've been thinking a lot about this also division between public and private space and actually how uh, you know public space seems to be so dangerous for girls and women and in the majority of countries the statistics of gender-based violence show that it happens at homes um so in in the in the in the private space uh so so i think that's why it's also it's it's we should also talk about how maybe we can make the public spaces safer or how we can make uh, how we can also create the care infrastructure right. which are the hospitals with our, which are the community centers the access to social workers you know that that you feel more safe in the cities and cared for that care is not only in the house um, and i think it has to do a lot with urban especially with urban planning when we are talking about the local development plans uh, you know or the so the planning of new districts uh the planning of um of health infrastructure even of cultural infrastructure you know how the public spaces are redistributed what are what is the access to to them and and so on so i think that's uh, yeah that would be um this inter interconnection of social and uh, and material environment and the urban <laughs> it was it was very interesting that uh, you you mentioned uh for for any person it can it can happen that one need one day maybe your accessibility needs can change so i think we we have to change our idea about like in general i think more inclusively designed environments it's better for everyone but i think right now the discussion is more like okay if we design cities that are better for women then men don't have a space so it, it became more of this fight for, for power rather than seeing that more inclusive and more accessible spaces are good for everyone is not yes. good for women or for disabled people or like yeah it 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 will add and serve everyone so i think we we need to understand that as a society also um so uh, as you were saying also and as i was thinking about creating a spaces especially when it comes to public spaces and especially when we are talking about uh creating a spaces or giving more space to underrepresented groups uh, i think there, there are these different levels of intervention and how how i kind of try to yeah box them in my brain is that first uh we we create a level of safety so everyone can feel safe in the urban environment then the second let's say level of intervention would be uh being seen and being represented so if we go one level higher than safety then people from all groups can can feel represented and seen in the in the urban environments and then the third level being uh 
feeling empowered and being able to thrive in, in an urban environment. And yeah, th this is somehow how I, I made it in my brain. I, I wanted to ask, ask it from your point of view, if there are different levels of interventions when it comes to creating public spaces, especially for the underrepresented groups and how, how does that look like? Mm -hmm. I think the yeah the level of the stages that you outlined it uh, outlined it uh, they are very very valid. I think there is in sociology we have always we always look at one thing from so many angles and perspectives. Uh, so um, so it's it's uh, it's it's really interesting because sometimes I also think about um, about a planning. Um, from the perspective of like very, very local and then the district level, the city level and even the state level. But I think your your division also so like the safety, then the the representation and then even step further, the, the empowerment are, are also incredibly valid. I actually, um, I, I will come back to it, but I, I really, uh, based on my work um, and mostly on my work in, uh, with municipalities about the, the the civic participation in urban planning, I would always um, add like the pre-intervention state, mm -hmm. which is basically do some research about the space you want to change. And I'm not saying architects should do the research. I mean, we are here for you. The sociologists are super happy to do the research because I feel that um, Sometimes the spaces that are being um, either made, like you know, from from the scratch or uh, are being reconstructed, there is no knowledge about this social um, tissue that is in the space. So uh, we don't know anything about local community. We don't know anything about the needs of local community uh, communities. Uh, even the you know the very demographic, the basic demographic data. Um, like in case of Krakow, let's say eight, nine years ago, it was a big issue that we were supposed to do some sort of um, participatory revitalization of one of the districts and we couldn't get any data, uh, including, you know, the age, um, the gender, you know, the social class. It was very difficult. Yeah. It was not, there was no access to this type of data, so it's very difficult to, to plan anything. Um, and so that would be the one thing. And from the gender perspective, I think it's also really, there is also a really interesting tool that is the gender analysis of the budget. So you can see how much money, how much investments in the cities go for, well, so-called more like masculine or male oriented um, invest, uh, investments or more, you know, female oriented investments. And I think this is also the good tool to argue for some new interventions or for some new changes. Um, super quick example, just to make it a bit more like empirically based. In Poland, there was this huge, um, there was this huge social project of building uh, football uh, fields in the cities, like in the districts, um, because it's for the youth, because it's a public space. And yeah, the idea was good, but the girls were not using it because it was always full of boys. Oh. There is no uh, girl football network, I would say, in Poland. Maybe there is some movement now, but but you know, back then it was like almost 15 years ago. There was not. So so that's 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 um, 
that's what I mean by doing some research yeah. before or or even analyze the um or even yeah analyze the existing data and I think this is something that is that is lucky um but yeah about the about the levels I think um yeah I think the this this issue of safety it's really interesting and I think there is some point when the sociologists and architects we are actually not agreeing okay. um, because I'm very freshly right now after um, talking with a lot of young women in Argentina about the safe space what does it mean and it's um, it's extremely uh, changeable you can have amazing space and at one day at this certain certain hour with a certain group of boys or men it's very dangerous dangerous place for you and during the weekend when there is um, an art market and you are with your with your girlfriends it's oh. you know it's it's exactly the same place but suddenly it's like you find joy there you feel free um, you know you wear what you want while I don't know a few days before you were very like controlling yourself you were afraid um i know and i do acknowledge certain uh, um certain recommendations for public spaces that i think that they work very well but but this um i would always argue for finding ways to address the community building aspect yeah. in planning so in in each of this level in safety the representation and the empowerment there has to be also some way to address how to strengthen the feeling of community because one exactly the same plaza or you know set of streets they are like dangerous safe dangerous safe it's mm. very it's it's extremely flexible issue which is yeah which is i really hope in my phd to find the answer for that what is the safe space but now i'm just like yeah i think it's a safe community, maybe not the safe space mm. itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why maybe we need a more integrated approach. If, I mean, we can't say the design by itself or the change of policy by itself or the change of culture of people by itself can create safe environments. I think, yeah, they, they need to go all together and be integrated in, in yeah one whole big project yeah. and but like as you have talked with urban designers and let's say architects uh what are there some elements to be added to space to make it safer or um more representative or more empowering like can you say in practice how how might that look like mm -hmm. i think um yeah, I was also thinking about it. I think um, very practical elements um, and something that is also occurring in, in the interviews I, I, I did all the time, it's the issue of light and darkness, um, which, which there is also a lot of research based on, on, on the material environment that women but also other groups uh, just feel safer when with the, with the proper lightening. I think also the issue of visibility and the passage. So, like when you have the spaces that are closed off, 
or suddenly they are getting narrowed, which is which is also with with the density of the city centers. It's very it's very challenging. Yeah. But I think the the issue of uh, yeah of of visibility and being seen by other people and also being able to see other people. I think this is something that also um, that also came up with my with my interviews, but also with the interviews with architects and urban planners that that this visibility issue. And again, the, the issue of community, there was one research made in Spain when when young girls, they were saying that they feel safer sometimes in this in the summer because the windows are open and they are they feel safer that if they start to scream, someone will hear them. So that's um, this is like very almost like everyday really organic issues. But but um, yeah, I would say the the light and darkness, uh, the visibility, the the I don't even know how to call it being able to transit, not being yeah. cut. And I think also in terms of urban planning, um, in in Krakow there was a lot of issues with gated communities. You know when they are like faced. Yeah. yeah, like that they are gated. Uh, and uh, I also did some research with, with young women in Krakow and they were sharing this um, um, this experience that because of so many gated communities, they have to go completely different route for the public transportations. That is the route that is not being developed yet or it's very abundant uh, space, very like scary. So I think also thinking about the transitionality, maybe this is how I, I would call it, mm. uh, also connecting the public transportation with the space, you know, that you, that you, you, there is a accessibility to the, to the bus stops, like something that seems super basic, but in many yeah. cases it's not. And I think in terms of participation in urban planning processes, um, this also is based on on my experience of working in such a projects. I think um, there has to be transparency about the rules. Mm -hmm. um, what I mean by that is that if you invite the community to design with you the space, mm -hmm. they have to know um, what are the rules about the results of what they gonna what they gonna design. So what is the budget? What is the scale of the intervention? Mm. Uh, you know, I worked in uh, participatory budgeting in Krakow and also the, the participatory budgeting in Medellin in Colombia. It was always sort of a struggle between urban planners, architects and local community. Mm. They, what they imagined that will happen was, um, was not happening because the scale was too small. Of the of the intervention, yeah. or um, or there was no budget, or there was another plan already in place, so some things were not um, couldn't be built or couldn't be changed, and the local community very often they feel um, it's just like you invite them to the process of participation, but then there is no result. That's that's the second thing. And then the third thing, I think it's also the issue of um, vision of architect or urban planner, the certain aesthetic that it's um, that it's your own. And then you have to sort of uh, confront it with, with yeah. local community that has, um, 
yeah, just different, either different cultural background um, or different aesthetic. And I think um, architects and urban planners that are very enthusiastic to uh, invite the local community, it's it's something that like you would have to face how to deal with that, how to deal with this tension that something what the local community would like to have, it's not going how you want. Um, yeah, and um, mm, yes, so that would be, it was a quite long answer, but uh, oh, that, these elements, yeah. It was really interesting, and yeah, a lot, a lot of what you said made me made me think. Uh, and I think one of one of the answers that you gave that I found very interesting was the summer nights that the windows are open. And uh, like um, some weeks ago, I was uh, talking to another person and uh, he he's an expert in placemaking and he was talking about these hybrid zones between private space and public space and how if uh, how if the private space is extended a little bit to public space and creates these hybrid areas, how it can affect the feeling of belonging and safety within the city. And I was thinking maybe that that also could be effective because I feel right now our buildings are very isolated mm -hmm. and they they have very, like they, they don't communicate when the, with their surrounding and like with the public space around them. So the private space, it's this, isolated piece that yeah it, it has no no connection with outside so it creates this division division that is maybe very strong and mm -hmm. maybe if if this division was a little bit yeah softer let's say and if you would create this hybrid spaces uh the public spaces would would become also uh safer yes uh, I, I think this is yeah from the design point of view this is like really excellent example or even, even you know, designing yeah, these community centers. Like in the past, in the last year, I worked uh, with some women's collectives from marginalized districts in in Argentina, and one of the biggest issue when when they were trying to support a woman in the situation of violence was, yeah, she can pack her stuff, but where would she go? Mm -hmm. You know where where are we gonna take the children, and then um, we we will also we were we were mapping uh, uh, like sort of feminist community centers in 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 Cordova because I, I mostly worked uh, in Cordova, um, and yes, suddenly it was very obvious that if the collective or yeah this women's group if they have a space small house, I don't know you know something um, something that is that is collective the woman can stay there of course then there is the the issues of the future and the long-term safety but even yeah where do you go when you go out of your house where you are experiencing violence are you sitting you know on the bench in front of your house are you going to the park or are you going to shopping more you know like it's um mm, so yeah that's yeah this in between spaces i think it is also really interesting um, thought and like even trace to then make it happen and you know develop it in in more um, from the design perspective. I think it's it's really it's really good. Yeah. 
<laughs> and yeah, as uh, as as someone like you, you've been working on the intersection of gender and urban studies, and also I think age. So I wanted to ask you, how do you think woman-led designs or a more inclusive design processes in, in cities and urban environments can lead to maybe communities that are more socially cohesive? And do you think can more inclusive design approaches lead to having less lonelier populations? Like, can it affect the isolation of certain groups? Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm curious to understand this connection uh, between a more inclusive uh, design approach and how it can affect maybe the mental health of people in the mm -hmm. city in terms of isolation and yeah, uh, yeah. not feeling lonely and all that. Yeah, I think um, maybe I would just use the, the, the example of young women that I'm, I'm, I'm like working with. I think um, when you are being involved, um, because, okay, I will start from there. I think the, um, this period of uh, puberty or like becoming from a girl, becoming a woman, it's very isolating itself because from a girl that is like running, you know, climbing the trees in the park, suddenly you are 12 years old and you are being, you know, sexually harassed in public spaces. Like the, the women I talked with, um, they were sharing the stories with me of being like 11 years old and being already harassed on the streets. Uh, you know, and suddenly you're just like, what is happening with me? Why suddenly I'm attracting so much attention? Um, and you start to spend so much time or on like, I, I call it like risk assessment. So a lot of your energy and a lot of your mental health health at the end is affected by thinking how to stay safe and um, and also a lot of um, even if there are some like um, uh, public campaigns about safety in in public spaces it's usually just like addressed to the woman just to be more careful you know uh, maybe don't dress this or check your drink if you are you know if it's just like being more careful more careful so i think if young women could be seen in the process of of planning like as a as an as a citizen that is afraid to go out from her house to the street you know uh it's already so much i think it's already so uh, so much more empowering and i think this this constant struggle uh with making all this like basically processing all the data in your head what time you should go out what you're gonna wear uh, who is going with you uh, is your phone charged do you have money for the taxi um you know you don't like there is so much uh, so much uh thinking behind it then that's what i what i'm trying to say is that i think just being involved and being seen uh as a um, as sort of a, an equal partner in discussing urban planning when you are a, a young woman, it's already it's it's already extremely extremely empowering. Um, uh, I think there is also, but this is not my field of expertise, but there is also a lot 
research being done about elderly people and also how they feel isolated and how they are not being involved uh, in, uh, in, 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 the, in, in the urban planning. Um, so I think, yeah, being, um, just being taken into consideration um, and then even creating um, like small, small spaces where, where women could feel a bit more free and empowered uh, in this process, it also gives you, uh, it, 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 it also has this empowering um, impact because it gives you the hope that, uh, that you know, that such spaces uh, could exist. In Cordova, there is something that is called a feminist market every month, and it's, uh, it's in the campus of the National University in Cordova. So the space is already quite safe. Mm -hmm. accessible and then just once a month it's it's sort of like you know it's like a market but it's also a very safe space to just spend time and i think it's um as for your mental health it's give you it, it gives you this hope that uh okay at least once a month you know there is a space where i can go and i will not be harassed if people are harassed there is like you know policy in place um so those uh, those pockets, I would say, of, of safety are, are also, um, I think they, 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 they just make you feel relief and they also, in terms of mental health, they give you this uh, feeling of community and being, being connected, yeah. When you were talking about what are the points that women and girls are scared of, like how many th things do we have to check before going out? Yeah. I, I just realized that these things, like in my brain, they, they become such norm, but normally they shouldn't be a normal thing. But because we are so used to it, and like from a very young age, we've done that. Now it seems to be something normal, but how great would it be if we, we would live in places that yeah, we, did, we didn't have to be this worried for every time that yeah. we are going outside? I think it's also it's this it's again this issue of caring about each other. Yeah. Um, I, I also remember one discussion uh, about be feeling unsafe in public transportation, and one of the women told me that I don't even want other people to react when I'm being harassed. I would like the driver to react. Mm. I would like to know that this is the space, the public state, you know, space of public transportation when I where I will say I'm being harassed and the driver will re react you know like very basic um, very very basic uh, sort of expectation no yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I know that here here in Milan that I live like there are buses that they run uh, through the night so they are 24 7 and I know that it's a rule that the, the bus driver should not get involved with what is going on in the bus like even if there's a fight or whatever so yeah yeah then it just makes women not going out if you cannot afford the taxi because many of women cannot afford the taxi or just hoping that nothing will happen when you are in the bus yeah so uh, th this this has been really great i i feel like i learned a lot because Again, as, as I told you before, before the conversation, it's the first time that I <laughs> talk to okay. this, so 
you you brought a very very different perspective that and you talked about things that I've never like heard about. So thank you so much. I I just want to wrap up uh, uh, and ask you uh, about the role of citizens maybe and how could different people uh, like that that are living in a city regardless of what pro profession they have, uh, they can contribute to such movements, let's say more inclusive cities, more women-centered cities uh, in general. So if you know any initiatives that people could join, um, if uh, our listeners are not in the design or sociology field, let's say, <laughs> in a specific, what, what could they do to, to help? Mm -hmm. um... Well, maybe I will start from from very. It's not the tool or it's not the initiative, but I think um, yeah, just to put this care in practice in your everyday life. I know it can be very scary if you need to react for some act of violence, um, but just trying to maybe just try to think about care once in a while, once in a while, you know, or you among your friends and how you could actually strengthen this those informal networks of, of support um i think as for tools um the one that uh, me and my friend we did the movie about and then i also worked uh, in krakow it's the participatory budgeting i think you can it's it's quite also spread in europe and it's um it was born in uh, in brazil in porto alegre um, so I think you could actually sort of try to demand from your local government to have a bit more impact uh, on how the budget is spent. Um, you know, you could monitor how how the budgets are spent. Uh, you could monitor the the investments. Let's say from my field, if there is a youth um, policy or youth program, you could just monitor, like if there is. A, if there is a gender aspect, if there is a disability aspect, um, if there is a, you know, if 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 they see the needs of the different ethnicities as well uh, in the cities, so you could do a little bit of monitoring. I think now we have a lot of access to data even from home, um, and um, I was thinking about one more thing. Ah, yeah, I actually think. Um, also being involved in the housing movements, rent control movements, and all this type of uh, securing housing, uh, it's extremely important. And it's happening, well, all around the Europe. Berlin is one of the most current, greatest example of that. Um, because I think what's, what's actually, what is actually destroying communities is, you know, the, the evictions, the um yeah the gentrification i think it's very difficult um yeah the displacement of very like old and uh strong communities it's affecting the the safety as well mm -hmm. so i would say yeah just monitor access the data join your local uh rent control initiative um and in this more informal level just just try to be a little bit more caring, and I, I mean caring about everyone, no? Um, I think, I think, yeah, for me, the feminism is just to broaden your perspective, not to actually close it um, for just one group. So, yeah, that would be. Thank you so much, Anna. This has been great, really. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you.